Hi in the hills of Happy Valley, Oregon. Welcome to Until We Meet Again, brought to you by the kind support of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, and friends like you. I'm Elizabeth Fournier. This radio broadcast is an expression of our common ground in mortality, because after all, we are all in this together. Today's reading is edited and adapted from the writing of Isaiah 53, 1-5, The Promised Restoration and Protection. But now thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you, and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east, and gather you from the west." My guest today is Lindsay Dennis, who lives in the great sunshine state of Florida, where she and her husband, Kevin, serve on the staff of CREW, an organization that helps train and equip college students to know and walk with Jesus for a lifetime. They also had to bury two daughters in less than two years, which prompted Lindsay to write Buried Dreams, From Devastating Loss to Unimaginable Hope. At 20 weeks pregnant, Lindsay R. Dennis and her husband were told the child she was carrying would not live due to a fatal diagnosis. Later, in another stunning blow, they were told the same news with her second pregnancy. They chose to celebrate both lives alongside a community, both local and online, of hundreds of thousands who carried her as she carried each child to term, only to bury them 14 months apart from each other. So, Lindsay, I chose that specific Bible verse. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's very important to you. It's mm-hmm. something that I found in your book. Um, I want you to share how that came to you is such a very epic part of your story. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so that verse, I was, um, I had found out that I was pregnant with my first daughter at 20 weeks pregnant, and, or not found out I was pregnant, but found out that she had a condition called anencephaly where she would not be able to live once born. And over the course of the next 20 weeks, we celebrated her life um, every week, and our community came alongside of us to help us celebrate. But in the midst of the joy of just getting to know that I was getting to make memories with her and these short moments with her, I was so afraid of when she would be born and afraid of what would happen next. And I knew that she was safe in the confines of my world, and I knew that as soon as she was born, it would be minutes, hours, maybe days that we would get with her. And so as I was in labor, I was very afraid to really release her. During my labor, my husband received a text message from a friend with that verse. And there's a part in there where it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And as you read that, I just was thinking in that moment that not only was God with me, but he was with my daughter. We named her Sophie. Sophia Kyla Dennis and called her Sophie 
and that I could trust him with whatever would happen as soon as she um, came into the air of this world. And so my husband, I just had him read that to me over and over and over again as I was in labor and fearful, and he would read it, and I would say again in the midst of my pain, and he would read it again, and I just kept thinking, okay, God, I want to release my child to you. I know that she's yours. I know that she was yours from the beginning, and I know that she won't survive outside of my body. Um, And I can think that I am in control and that I can protect her when she's inside, but the truth is that he was the one sustaining her life inside my womb. And that was just a pivotal moment for me of just recognizing just his presence with my daughter, uh, knowing that she would not live once born. Um, and that verse just holds a special place in my heart because I feel like God really met me in the midst of a lot of very physical pain and emotional pain um, as I was about to give birth to her. I love with your book, The Honesty, you're only talking about I mean, everything from the excitement to how your your marriage was unfolding and how within one year of being married, you go through this amazing challenge together. Um, I love how you also are so strong in your writing. You obviously have an extensive Bible background and such a strong mm-hmm. dedication to God. And you really tie that in while you're talking about finding out that the dreams that you and your husband have of this birth is not quite going the way you want. And I just see such a maturity in your writing and in your character that how this is, I think a lot of girls would just fall apart and want to hide and want to blame people, but you're really trying to seek the truth in it. Have you always had such a strong spiritual life path? I had a love for God from a young age, and my parents taught me about who Jesus was and how I could know him. And I put my trust in Christ when I was very young. But like any um, junior high, high school student, I went through, well, maybe not everyone, but I went through a season where I really wanted to have one foot in the world and one foot with God and really was struggling with, you know, do I want to really live my life um, solely for God and trusting Him even when it doesn't make sense, even when I don't understand or don't get what I want, will I trust Him? And that's been a a journey for me and continues to be. And I think that each step of the way, God has provided people along the way to help uh, really guide me and help me to know and understand how do I, how do I study the Bible? How do I understand the Bible? How do I, um, how do I, how does it apply to my life? And, and as I've dug into it over time, like little small moments along the way have just built a foundation that. I think I even got to see the fruit of as I walked through that journey with my first daughter. And I had no idea that I could endure something like that. Um, and, and really many days I felt like I was falling apart, but God had so begun to root in me a deep conviction of his truth and his goodness that he is the one that I would say really helped me together, helped my husband and I together. And my faith did not feel very strong most days. It felt actually quite weak. And yet the object of my faith was the definition of strength. And he is the one that has and continues to hold us together in the midst of the ups and downs of, of now the, the grief of, of missing my, my first daughter and my second daughter. So within a few weeks of learning the news of Sophie's diagnosis, you began to blog about your unfolding story of hope and loss. That's amazing that you would have the strength to reach out to others and possibly help them. So how did that mm-hmm. help you while you were caring, Sophie? 
Well, it really began as a way to communicate what we were walking through to our friends so that we wouldn't be inundated with question after question. But I could simply say, oh, I wrote about it here. Like, go read my blog. Um, And then it evolved into a thing that I would do that was a way for me to process my pain and my grief and also a way to offer my pain to others, that God would use my brokenness um, in the lives of others. I um, had prayed years before that, you know, if I was going to fall apart, if, if God was going to do things in my life that were hard and not pretty, that it wouldn't be just for my, my own growth, uh, but that it would be for the sake of other people. And so I really just wanted, that's really all I had to offer others, I felt like, was my, were my tears and my pain and my joy. And I saw God just use it in the lives of others. And I was truly amazed by that. It wasn't my intention in writing, but it just evolved into something that people really came alongside of us both in prayer um, and just even in wonderment at like what I was, what we were doing and how we were carrying this little life and how we were celebrating this little life. And I think people were curious about that. And so it was a real great joy to write about how God was meeting us and really display even what does it look like to walk with God in the midst of great pain. Did you find people wrote back with comments that were helpful, or did you find friends through that, or did you even find links and resources through your writing that sort of dovetailed into just help with for everything you're going through? Yes, I I met I met so many friends through my blog, um, some really some people who have become friends for life. I would say uh, people who have walked through similar circumstances. Um, resources and organizations that have had a profound impact on my own life that I discovered through walking through the loss of a child and my writing. And so I've been amazed at just, you know, I wouldn't choose it this way. I wouldn't choose for these relationships to form out of such loss, but it is one of the beautiful ways that I've seen God redeeming the pain is providing these people um, to come alongside of us and and even now to for me to come alongside others as they find me. So it's just been a mutual encouragement um, through simply writing. I love the stories you tell and how the fact that even though you knew that this pregnancy might turn out to having your daughter in your arms for just a few minutes, seconds, you know, you had no idea, just like a mom going through experience that is being told everything is okay, you honored her life and you decided to celebrate it. So one of the stories I really love is when you had that really cool hookup with going to Disney World. Uh, Explain how how did that come to be? And I I love that story. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of my favorite too. But I, um, we attended a church at the time where a lot of our friends uh, worked at Walt Disney World. And one of those friends, she asked me early on when we found out Sophie's diagnosis, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, we just want to celebrate her life and we want to make memories with her. And I want her to meet the Disney princesses. (laughs) And really it was just an offhanded comment. And my friend, she ended up creating this secret Facebook group that we didn't know about until after Sophie was born. Um, And where people each week signed up to help us celebrate in some way. And so uh, I had gotten a a text from a friend. We always would celebrate on a Thursday. And the night before, I got a text from a friend telling me to meet them at the Magic Kingdom at 9 a.m. and to wear uh, a white T-shirt or something that could go with a white T-shirt. And we showed up, and a friend of ours came around the corner, 
and she had these shirts that said King Kevin, my husband's name on it, and Queen Lindsay. And then on the belly of the Queen Lindsay shirt, it said Princess Sophia Kyla and had a little choo-choo that perfectly went right underneath my my newly popped belly. And so I felt as if, okay, my little girl is really wearing a tutu, and I'm getting to experience her at Disney really as a little girl coming to Disney. And, and it, in some strange way, it just felt like she was, she was the star of the show. And I could experience a taste of what the delight of, of being in a place like Walt Disney World would be for her. And um, pretty soon after, our friends, um, one of my friends, she is close friends with one of the princesses, which is code for um, she resembles them very well uh-huh. <laughs> and dresses like God, them. I don't God. like to spoil the magic uh, for their sake. But they took us to a private viewing area, and all the princesses were there, several of which were close friends of ours. And they just greeted my belly, and the fairy godmother sprinkled pixie dust over my belly. And then we were ushered out to a private viewing area to see the parade, and every character scene would come up and touch my belly and say hi to Sophie. And it was just this beautiful picture for me. Of, of just joy in the midst of such pain and how our friends really lifted our hearts to, to know joy and to know hope and to experience these moments with our daughter that are just small m- moments in life that you like, that some moms think of, you know, it'd be so wonderful to take my daughter to Disney and for her to experience uh, the princesses and the joy and the delight. And because we live in Orlando, it was something that I just really was excited to do with my little girl. And so I really look at that memory and think, gosh, I I feel like I got to do that with her, even though she was in my womb and I feel like she was truly celebrated. And even that day, just thinking about the fairy tales of Walt Disney World and the happily ever after, it really lifted my eyes to the reality that she does have a happily ever after. And I wish it would be here on this earth, but ultimately you know, what we're, we're waiting for and longing for is the day when Jesus comes and makes everything new and restores everything broken in our lives. And that is what my daughter, was I knew, was going to get to experience. So even in a place like Walt Disney World, God really lifted my eyes to an eternal perspective for her life uh, in the midst of the celebration. And it was honestly that day, I think I smiled so much more than I cried. There was a few tears, but it was just a day of such joy. It's beautiful. And how you're explaining it is just how you wrote it too. through that whole chapter too. I found myself Mm. feeling so happy thinking, oh, I'm so glad she had this experience. I, as a mother, don't think I would have been strong enough to go through it. So I keep thinking as I read this book, oh my gosh, this is so appealing to me in the sense that you're much younger than myself. And you went through knowing this was going to happen to you twice. Um, Mm. When you were in the hospital, And you're going through the experience of being told, okay, Sophie is now going to be born. Mm -hmm. You explain going through that. You explain having her in your arms and knowing that you're going to get the time that you get. And I thought it was just just moving the way that Mm -hmm. you, I mean, just the step by step and the minute by minute. How much of that do you want to tell us about? I mean, I can tell you, I'm, I'm good with telling you anything about it. I oh, okay. About yeah, I just want to be sensitive daughter. to it because yeah, I'm sure you yeah. have to explain this a lot. I mean, it was just really personal. You know, uh, I ended up going into a C-section. My labor was not progressing. And uh, I think each step of the way, God, again, provided people, whether through a text message with a verse that was just 
crucial for us or through a friend or a woman who would come in and would sing to us, um, a nurse. There was just story after story where God was reminding us, I'm with you, like I'm with you. I, you can trust me in this. And so I think that that, that was how, even how I experienced my daughter's final moments of God, your presence, it felt very, very real. And I felt like I understood his sorrow and his pain over death, that this isn't how it's supposed to be. And so in the tears of, of saying goodbye, there was a releasing for me of trusting that, you know, God was going to do something with our story and, in the midst of the pain. And it, it was excruciating pain. It was, uh, there were moments that I didn't share in my book because it was just too painful and too raw uh, to share. And the agony of loss and death is, um, you can't really put it into words in so many ways. And so I did my best to share you know, what it was like in those moments, but they were truly, with Sophie in particular, I felt like God, it was peaceful. It was peaceful even in the brutality of it. They were precious moments with our daughter. We got to read to her a note we had written. Uh, we got to pray over her. We got to sing to her. We got to read books to her. And with Sophie, we really didn't know how long she would live, and, and we had been told maybe a minute. So for us to have 10 hours with her, which is what we eventually had, that felt like such a gift. And so we were just so grateful for, for that time with her. Of course, we, we wished it could have been so much more. And the saying goodbye part was, was really the, the hardest, one of the hardest moments in my life, knowing that I wouldn't see her again this side of heaven. And then the unfair reality, after yeah. you deal with this, you have the wonderful joy of finding out that you're with a child again, Mm-hmm. And then I guess take it from there. Yeah, so we were um, hopeful to have more kids. Our having gone through loss um, and anticipating that loss, our innocence and in pregnancy was gone, and we knew now the door had been open to knowing so many people who had walked through similar losses, and knowing also so many ways that you could lose a baby. And so I was not so afraid of losing um, another child the same way as losing Sophie, but I was afraid of, of many of the other things that could happen. And so we were cautiously excited as we were pregnant again and hopeful. And, you know, I think in the back of my head, I thought God would never ask me to walk through this twice. <laughs> That's just not how he works. Like I know there's pain and sorrow, but, but he would, I would never have to lose another child. So it really wasn't in my category for, as, as a possibility. And though there, there was that fear. It was like, well, I don't, I don't think this will really happen. And so then going into our appointment where we would find out the condition of our baby with our doctors, we carried no risk factors with Sophie's particular condition. There's not much research done. And of the research that's done, we, we just didn't have any of those risk factors. And the doctors all told us, you know, there's, there's very little chance that this would happen again. And so it was stunning blow for us and for our doctors to have to come in and tell us that our daughter had a similar condition as Sophie that would play out the same way. And, and where it's, I felt God's present, very, he was very present with me with Sophie. Uh, I felt peace on our journey in many ways, finding out that our second daughter who we named Asa would not live. It would, did not feel peaceful. Um, it was very different and it was very different anticipating that we were going to walk through this again with her and say goodbye again, now knowing what that was like. There was much for me to wrestle with with God in this second time around because 
like you said, it, it just didn't seem fair. It didn't seem like this is how you work, God. And I had many questions. And yet I also knew in the depths of my heart that that he was with us and he was good. I didn't know what that meant or how that could possibly be true, having to go through it twice. But I knew somewhere, like, God, I, I, I do want to trust you in this. But I really don't know how. That seems like a perfect thing to say. I, mm-hmm. I, I remember reading in the book something, again, that stunned me that you said that I thought was really amazing was that idea of when you felt so broken inside um, you even amidst all the brokenness that surrounded you, seeing your babies, holding them in your arms made you feel redeemed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of depth. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I just, I think seeing, having chosen life for them, and I really had no idea the amount of joy that I could experience and just knowing and seeing my child, even just for a moment. It was, it was, again, it was like a taste, that redemption. These are my little girls that God entrusted to me and what a privilege it was to be their mom and to get to value their life and to celebrate their life and honor their little lives. And in the midst of such brutal, the brutal reality of knowing I would say goodbye, there was so much joy and even as a mom, peace in my heart of just getting to know them and see them. And it was... It was just, it was just beautiful, and I would, I would relive those moments in a heartbeat mm. just to hold them again. When you were in the hospital, you got a hold of this wonderful organization called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. Mm. And for those of you who don't know what this organization is, it's really offering the gift of healing and hope to give parents the experience of while they're in the hospital with their baby who is not going to be walking on the earth, they come in and there's a professional level photographer Mm. and they're really volunteers and they make an intimate portrait session and it captures those moments of being in the hospital and spending that time with the baby. And this came from, I I found out from a woman who went through a similar situation where she lost her baby Maddox. She found a photographer to come down to the hospital. And those two women bonded so much over this experience. They both founded that organization. Mm -hmm. What is that experience like knowing that you should be having this happy joy, but knowing that this is not quite how you expected it to be with the photographer there? We had we were able to contact the, uh, the now I lay me down to sleep before we went into labor with our with our children, which isn't all, usually the case. Usually they would come to the hospital if there is an unexpected loss, and they would be there to just give photography um, and these beautiful photos to parents who are walking through just the unexpected loss of a child. And so uh, we were able to get to know our photographers who were going to be there, and they became just dear friends to us. And so having them in the room, honestly, they were uh, just precious gifts to us because I knew that I didn't have to I didn't have to be anxious about, you know, will this be documented? Will I have these memories? I knew that they were there and they were professionals and they knew what to do and how to do it. And, and for us, they were even advocates to be able to be in the hospital room and even the um, when I was in surgery to capture the, the first moments of getting to see our daughter. And I really was so thankful that they were there and they were just so kind and tender and they became like family. They were really entering into such sacred space for us and such intimate space. And yet they did it with, with such kindness and grace and really loving our girls with us. And honestly, I could hardly even tell that they were there. I was so focused on my daughters. I really was not aware of 
all the other people in the room. Yeah, that makes sense. I definitely want to make sure the listeners know that you have your, your mother of two earth mm-hmm. um, angel babies and two earth babies. You've had the luxury and the joy and the beauty of Jaden and Briella. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Jaden came into our life about 14 months after uh, Dasha passed away through adoption. Um, we knew that we weren't ready or we didn't know if we would ever be ready to try again for um, biologically. And so we, and we knew that we'd always wanted to step into adoption. And so we began the process and Jaden was born about 14 months later. And we actually got a call when I was speaking about the girls on the other side of the world in Australia that he had been born. And so I immediately hopped on a flight and came back um, and got off the plane and met our son at the hospital in Orlando, which was such a whirlwind and he is such a joy. And then just eight months ago, I gave birth to a healthy baby girl. Her name is Briella and she, her Briella is a combination of Sophie and Dasa's middle names. And she is such a gift, an unexpected gift. Um, We took the risk to try again, knowing that we might walk through the same journey again. And we are so grateful to have this little girl in our arms and she Mm. just brings a lot of joy to our life. Yeah, you did it. You did it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. how wonderful. I mean, three times, three Mm -hmm. beautiful children, and this one is yours to hold in your arms. You know, that's in your book, but I thought that was something that people need to know. I'm so thrilled for you to be able to say that on the air, that um, this time this worked, and of course you have your son. Mm -hmm. Very happy stuff. Yeah, you know, it's a you know, it's a story I would not have written for myself if God had told me years ago, this is going to be your story. I would have probably not signed off on that. Uh, but I look and I think, you know, we wouldn't have Briella without Jaden. We wouldn't have Jaden without Dasha's story, without Sophie's story. And I can just see the threads of God's redemption in our story and continues to be. And I need to, you know, remember that so often, but that he... He works and does things in ways that we can't we can't even imagine the bigger story that he's writing. And when we're in the midst of such pain and loss, uh, we can't really fathom what God is is doing and what um, stories he's writing in between these pages of the of the really hard ones that are going to reveal more of his goodness and his kindness to us in unexpected ways. And I cannot imagine my life without all four of my children. They each are just such equal good gifts from God and unexpected gifts and not in the way that I would have thought I would experience God's goodness. But each one has displayed his goodness to to me and my husband in ways that um, we have truly been astounded by. You've been listening to KKPZ 1330 AM, The Truth. Thank you to my guest, Lindsay Dennis, the author of her gift to her children, the book, Buried Dreams from Devastating Loss to Unimaginable Hope. Hopefully anybody going through this experience will pick up this book because it provides greater understanding of what it looks like to lament, how to invite others to celebrate life even when death comes unexpectedly and suffering is prolonged. Until we meet again next week, be excellent to each other.